I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. It comes with a 20-year warranty. And a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Quebec is very crimey and very druggy. The majority of the drugs that get seized by the Canadian Border Services Agency, they're seized in Quebec. It's estimated that it's only something between 7 and 1% of shipping containers that come into the Port of Montreal even get inspected. Last month, 100 kilos of cocaine was found hidden in furniture in one shipping container alone. Nobody knows for sure how much drug traffic moves through Montreal. Through the years, we in English Canada occasionally get stories about biker gang wars or mafia rivalries. But for the most part, the stories of Quebec's massive narco industry, if they are told, are told in French. Crime reporting in Quebec can be lurid and sensational, also fascinating. But it is all siloed off from the daily churn of English-language crime coverage in the rest of Canada. We never get to hear these stories. Well, now you can. You can literally hear from the narcos themselves. If you understand French, that is, because there is a new podcast called Narcos 
PQ. J'avais gardé une cicatrice pendant quelques années, mais tu sais, ça renforçait tellement mon, mon personnage dans ma tête, le Scarface, là, I'm gonna be rich, fuck everybody. C'était vraiment ça à fond, t'sais. So that was the voice of a self-described drug mule, telling the story of how getting slashed in the face helped him build his personal brand within the drug trade. That same guy also talks about swallowing 100 heroin capsules on a trip from South America to Quebec, a trip that made him feel, as he put it, like a suitcase, but also like a gangster. Criminals brag and boast on the podcast Narcos PQ. The show walks a thin line between reporting on drug lords and drug mules and narcos and gangsters and criminals and glorifying them. And one of those people who makes that podcast is Brigitte Noel. Brigitte works for Bureau d'Enquête, which is Quebecor's investigative unit. Uh, you know her as somebody who fills in for me from time to time. She's also somebody who helped us make the Thunder Bay podcast. She co-hosts the show with veteran journalist Felix Seguin. And of course, that show is in French. Well, one of the things that we try to do here when we can is bridge the two solitudes and bring stories to our listeners that you otherwise wouldn't get in English Canada. And so Brigitte Noel and Felix again will be taking the show over in a minute. They will be translating their best tape, playing for you the highlights and talking about their work on Narcos PQ. Wait for it. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Emma Romano, Lorenzo Vallecchi, Heinrich Houtenlicht, Vas Bednar, Casey Dyer, Mohini Atia, Alexandra Naylor, and Robert McDermott. Hi, my name is Robert McDermott, and I'm a retired professor, and I live in Perth, Ontario. And I support Canada Land because they do a really good job of exposing the biases of specific news outlets. We need more of that, so keep up the good work. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. It doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free 
with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. What are your favorite anecdotes of all of the podcasts? We have a lot of story of about people putting stuff in their bodies. That is a weird thing. To <laughs> <laughs> but then, uh, yeah, we had to censor some of the stories because we don't want to be... There's one anecdote from ex-biker, Stéphane Galarno, who is a former Rock Machine member, which we had to talk with our editors about like being too graphic, the, the poo fest. Oh. <laughs> it's... Oh. It's, uh, uh, oh. Yeah, can you tell? Do you want to explain what the poo story is? Yeah, at Pearson. Yeah. Oh no, I don't. Okay, want, so I, I'll, I, I'll do it. Essentially, he tells us how at one point, and it's kind of a complicated intro. But anyways, he's suspected of having ingested heroin capsules. So heroin capsules are apparently a popular thing, um, and when the border agents suspect you of having them in your body. Apparently, there is a uh, glass toilet stall that they have access to. And uh, he talks about being sat on this toilet and fed uh, prune juice and forced to defecate in public, in front, not in public, but in front of these border agents um, who wanted to see if he had heroin in his system. And then he protested and said, this is inhuman. Uh, this is, uh, you know, against my rights. I'm not doing it. And he got out of it. And then the next guy actually shot. And then he just describes all this shit everywhere. On the, it's just so graphic and awful. Oof. And I had no idea that this was a thing that happened in airports. And so that... I think was one of the most shocking anecdotes. And we had to talk about whether or not we were going to use it because we don't want our we don't want to make our listeners sick, but it's I think more entertaining than disgusting. We also have uh, one story with a Montrealer who was recruited uh, to be a drug mule to traffic heroin. So he was flown to South America. We can't say what country because we have to protect him. And he just spent a week in an all-inclusive resort and then was given 100 capsules of heroin. And they're like, they're huge. He showed us a picture of what they look like. They're about the size of a human thumb. You know, like an inch and a half, two inches, which is that, and like pretty wide. And so he swallowed a hundred of those, which is a kilogram of heroin. And he talks to us about the process, you know, eating all of this. And he had to eat a diet of salad to make sure that it went through his body okay. And then he looked at himself in the mirror. This is a quote that really struck me. And he's like, What am I doing? Am I a suitcase? Puis là, je me rappelle, je vais toujours me rappeler, je me regardais dans le miroir, je me disais, est-ce que je suis une valise? The first idea that we have about this project into it's to put it on TV, right? Right. Which, Which is challenging. Yeah. And the mentality behind that is the fact that doing this kind of these interviews with narco traffickers with people involved in the drug trade that's very challenging because no one really wants to put their face on camera and talk about their experiences it's really hard to convince people to talk we've done it but it, it's easier on a podcast because you can protect the source you can warp the voice you can one episode we had to hire an actor to to play the because it, we really had to to conceal the identity of the person. And so that's the negotiation that goes into convincing these people to kind of lift the veil. Does that, can you say that in English? Le voile. 
to kind of uh, I don't know shed if it's light. In English. I don't you would know it, it better is. than me, but uh, you know what? I'm so uh, um, used to TV reporting and, and uh, investigation that at first I was I was telling myself, why do they want to talk to us? And I just like realized like two weeks ago when we did some promotion on TV about this very podcast that they accepted because it was just the audio. audio. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the characters. So we have uh, an ex-biker gang member. We have party drug producer. We have a drug mule who ingested capsules of heroin to smuggle them into the country. Uh, we have the Rizzuto family, which is kind of an unavoidable group to discuss. So Vito Rizzuto was uh, the godfather of Montreal for the last 20 years. He passed away uh, in 2013, but his son is surviving him. They, they, were, they were the big thing here in Montreal. The, the Rizzuto clan was importing, you know, tons of heroin, cocaine, and then also hashish. Another source that we have is a former DEA agent. His name is Mike Vigil, and he was the director of international operations uh, for the DEA for a while. He was also an undercover agent, so he yeah. infiltrated which cartel? The Cali cartel. The Cali cartel. The Medellin with, cartel. Yeah, all of them. And after the Sinaloa cartel in Mexico, he was the most decorated agent in the history of the year. The great thing about him is because he was in charge of international operations, he can compare narcos. But when you take a look at the Italian organized crime families of New York, you know, they, they, they control part of the city or a borough. But when you took a look at the uh, Rizzuto clan, they held dominance over a million square miles of Ontario and also Montreal, Quebec. Who is the coolest person that you found for this? Or the scariest? Like, tell me The about scariest it. would be this guy that I met, but we can only port what he said. Yeah, we don't have a voice. We don't have a voice because he's really an... I would be high-ranking member of the organized crime in Montreal. He wouldn't he, let you record? He, no, like, not at all. So I met him in kind of shady places, and uh, so I, I kind of did a recollection of what he told me, and we put it in words. Did you feel unsafe? Uh, yes. I, over the last year, maybe a little more, because... Um, I had threats that were... Um, you had death threats? Death threats from the mafia. A guy named Francesco Del Balso. Who went to court for threatening you? <clears throat> yeah, because I, I published a story on um, the mafia who was exploring Quebec City. The story was simple. So that was a kind of a pizzo that uh, he, uh, Francesco Del Balso asked to pizzeria owners... You know? Which is like a mafia tax that you have to That's pay so that tax, they don't harass right. you. So, so that was the front page of the Journal de Montréal and the Journal de Québec. And he was really pissed. So he went to the courthouse and asked a lawyer to have what we call uh, a 810 on me, restraining order, which is completely 
awkward, right? Because <laughs> I'm a journalist, so I'm, I, because I tried to contact him mm. before I print this this thing, and of course at the courthouse they they told him like you know go mm-hmm. yourself, yeah. right? So he did say, well, I'll do it myself. I'll kill him myself and put him in a container, right? He was talking about me. So wow. a policeman was just behind him when he said that. He's not very bright, right? No, that's not a good way no, to go that, about things. And so he was charged with uh, death threats against so, me. So so what you're saying, that, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, so. this isn't a character even in our podcast. It's just like no, a regular day it, in the life of Felix yeah. Seguin to get death threats. So, yes, I've, been, I've been a little more scared than usual, uh, than usual about meeting those guys because, mm-hmm. you know, it goes in your head and then and, and you start thinking what could happen if uh you yeah. know i don't know it's intimidating yeah a little yeah but i'm good yeah so the interview i found the most interesting and challenging was with stefan galarno um and felix actually sent me to pick him up from federal prison so I went to Donnacona, which is one of the biggest institutions in Quebec, and picked him up, just waiting for me outside the prison with his bags. And then I drove him back to Montreal to his um, probation agent. At 17, j'ai mis ta signature de mes parents. J'ai fait ma première importation. Importation de quoi? De That was fascinating. And he, we interviewed him after that and uh, got, you know, a lot of stories. I think this is my favorite episode where he talks about initiation to drug dealing, to international drug dealing, but also to becoming a member of a biker gang and what that means and, you know, how he felt putting on his jacket. You know, he says, I put on my, my patches for the first time and I felt like Superman or Batman. I felt invincible. C'était comme se sentir comme Batman ou Superman. C'est comme je intouchable. He, I think, is the only one who reacted when we put out the podcast because speaking to the media for him was kind of a way to slam the door on organized crime. Or so he says, you know, he's like, I'm moving on. And it's a pretty dramatic way to move on because now you've not only told your probation agent that you want to get out of crime, you've told the media and you've told thousands of people and so he is on twitter quite frequently being like this podcast is great which is it was not on hilarious. twitter before but no uh, he added himself yeah, to twitter he added himself to, to talk twitter about this to talk about this podcast <laughs> uh, i think one week after we and and he's really into making his life a little better than it was and uh the fact is uh even rcmp called us and uh oh yeah yeah and they said to us, wow, it's interesting what you did. Do you think you can maybe come with us and come in schools and, you know, do a presentation about the regrets, the regrets of, narco of narcos and, and, and all this? Because a lot of the people um, we speak to are re- repentant. They, you know, well, we, or at least they tell us that yeah, they regret. They always tell us that they're repentant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not true for everyone. No. 
I think the main motivator for this season was vanity. I guess a lot of people wanted uh-huh. to boast about these vanity and redemption because it is so much work and it's so complicated and there's so many details in these enterprises that you've never even considered. And so they wanted to boast because they don't get the chance to. But, but that's more vanity than redemption, I think. Yes, absolutely. But then also a lot of people like Stéphane Gallarno wanted to A, brag about his enterprise, but B, also kind of slam the door on his criminal life. So there's a bit of, a little bit of A, a little bit of B. I think they're proud to déjoué, uh, to give an interview knowing that police can listen to this interview and... Won't know who they are. Won't know who they are. Because they're always playing cats and mouse. Yeah. Even for that, that ex-Rock Machine member... Me, I think he can surely be sucked in by the rock machine again. Well, there's. I don't know if he will. He will have a kind of clean and normal life in society. I wish for him. Yeah. And but our job is not to believe it. Our job is just to explain it. Yeah. Speaking of the process, we are showcasing a world. We are giving a voice to people who are talking about really immoral, violent things, criminal enterprise. And we, you know, start every episode with a disclaimer that we are not trying to glorify this lifestyle. That's so necessary to say because it's really delicate. It is delicate for one reason. We're investigative journalists. So often we report on scandals and corruptions and public money badly spent. So... We are really critical of the society that we live in, right? Mm-hmm. And the main danger is, is to take a side, to lose this capacity to, uh, to criticize the society. But I think they do that themselves when we talk to them. Yeah, and then we couch everything they say. Because podcasting is different than writing a paper because you're kind of following the journalists along with the process. And so... You know, you'll hear us often in the podcast saying, we can't verify this, but this is what he told us, which we would never do in a, a print article. Yes. But I think the format of a podcast is more akin to not fiction, but it follows kind of a rhythm that is similar to, to a movie where you have uh, tension and cliffhangers and things like that. And so I think Sarah Koenig from Serial kind of created that that format where you follow the reporter along in her work and she's like, okay, I'm going to verify this. I'm going to check that. And so, you know, we have some scenes in the podcast where, for instance, the Stéphane Galarno, the ex-biker gang member says, I gave hundreds of thousands of dollars to Aristide, the uh, former leader of Haiti. We can't check that. We can't verify this. We can't verify a lot of his allegations, but we're not going to take it out of the podcast because it's unverifiable. We're just going to let him talk and say, you know, we can't verify this and warn the listener that they have to take this with a grain of salt. It's it's more about storytelling than fact-checking. And we you, have to be we, transparent about that. Yeah. And then the other interview we did with a, uh, in French, it's a producteur de drogue de synthèse, a party drug producer. We well, can't, a cook. A cook. Can we call him a cook? We can call him a cook. Yeah. And we can't say what he was cooking because he asked us not to and we want to protect his identity. But he talked about the challenges of even if you don't consume, because many of them don't consume the drugs they make, 
you still kind of absorb it through osmosis. So he's talking about working in the lab and how he couldn't work in the lab more than six months a year because it became so intense. He would, you know, you have trouble sleeping. He talks about kissing girls and them being like, you taste like chemicals. You can't avoid it. And I, I can't imagine uh, people on the streets taking those drugs, you know, if just by osmosis you've become contaminated by them, if you ingest them. On purpose. On purpose. Yeah. Wow. And this cook also told us he ended up in prison and he told us that that's where he actually realized the impact of what he was doing because he saw the consumers who were in jail with him and they were missing teeth and they had sold all their belongings to to buy the drugs. They had broken their families. That's where he had that crisis of conscience where he's like, okay, maybe I'm doing something very bad here. Of course he was. Well, they all are, you know. Yeah, but they're kind of proud often of what they did, right? Mm -hmm. That's the one thing I'm they I'm always millions. I'm always thinking about. They make millions, you know, they're living that lavish lifestyle. They have cars, beautiful women's big uh, five-star hotels. And I think they they're kind of um, proud of what they do or what they did. Because they consider themselves like entrepreneurs. Because if you transpose what they've done and the empires that they build, if you put that into another industry, it's a successful business. They are probably they are successful entrepreneurs, and mm -hmm. in, indeed. Why do you think it's important to to give them a voice? Because it's a it's it's kind of risky. It's risky, but it's, it's essential because we explain to the public what, what the police do not want us to explain, right? We have to explain to the public what is the reality behind, behind drugs. Like, yeah. That's it. That's simple, right? Maybe that is too simple what I say, well, but I, I, you're always listening to, uh, you know, those true crime stories, When a police tells you uh, it was 10 a.m. and we arrived on this scene and uh, we saw this guy, we booked him and uh, mm -hmm. he tried to to whack us and uh, <laughs> we were uh, blah blah blah. And and what about seeing this same event on the other side? Yeah, that's our job too. And we also we do talk to police because why do you think it was necessary to? We tried not to, but then we had to. Yes, but that's not... Well, we talk to police. We talk to ex-police ex officers. Ex-retired officers who can tell us more. Yeah, because when you talk to police, that's always kind of the sourcing part of, of your job. And, you know, when you talk to an official in the police, that's always a shitty interview. But well, we talk when we talk to ex-police officers, they have good stories and they're, fe they're feeling free to tell us. We only see that, like the big busts and the arrests. But I think that, you know, when something is hidden and stigmatized, I think it's normal to expect that it's going to be mismanaged. And, you know, you look at the whole drug landscape and it's not going away. Drugs have always been around. We're facing the opioid crisis. There's party drugs that are more and more popular and solutions are kind of few and far between. And if we 
shed light on the systems, if we can humanize the people who kind of found themselves in this industry or are building this industry, then maybe we can... And maybe that's a very utopian thing for me to say that, oh, talking to narcos will help us like fix the broken system. But I, I think that the war on drugs has well, failed. Well, that's not a broken system. That's a public health issue. Yeah. But I think that, you know, being less precious about talking about this mm-hmm. might lead to different approaches. I think you're right. Yeah. Maybe. That is your Canada Land episode. Thanks to Brigitte Noel and Felix Seguin. Email me about it. I'm at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I read everything you send. We are on Twitter at Canada Land. Our website is canadalandshow.com. There's a new episode of Commons out this week, a new episode in their series on crude. You will want to listen to this. This is a shocking story of uh, oil corporations acting like total psychopaths leaving abandoned wells on farmers' properties and dumping it on the government to deal with. I did not know about this stuff. Check it out. This episode is produced by Kasia Mihailovic. Our managing editor is Kevin Sexton. Syndication is handled by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. Canada Land is a crowdfunded enterprise. That's how this whole thing works. We rely on your help. We need it. If you give it to us, we have perks including ad-free versions of all of our podcasts. Have a look at our crowdfunding site. Go to patreon.com slash CanadaLand. Jen, there's an election coming up in the fall, and you may have noticed that Canadian politics has gotten a little bit bonkers recently. I mean, there's the SNC-Lavalin affair. Nazis are back now, I guess. There's Jason Kenney's civil war. Doug Ford is blowing up Ontario, and apparently PEI is now powered by fish. The point is, so much crazy shit is happening right now that it can be hard to keep up. That's why we're here. As the election looms, our podcast, Oppa, will keep you informed about the week in Canadian politics. Along the way, we're going to be speaking to Canada's top politicians, a whole bunch of the bottom ones, and everybody in between. So listen to Oppo for all the twists and turns as the election comes. That is OPPO, and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. I want to uh, apologize to all the listeners uh, of Canada Land for my French, Quebec, Canadian, English accent. Stop it! Never apologize. And I, I, I would say that I'm, I'm, I'm speaking English like a Spanish cow. What? That is. <laughs> that does not translation. Tra- that doesn't translate into. Yeah, English but I, I do, I do find that is that is pretty funny to say that in English. I'm speaking English like a Spanish cow. Like a vache espagnol. Like a vache espagnol. It's an idiom French, but not in English. <laughs> Please keep it. <laughs>